Hello and welcome back to our another episode of Let's Talk Version. We are here joined by Dan. Hey there, Dan. How are you? Life is wonderful, buddy. Got a lot of things done. Last I was at poker. Played five rounds. It was really, really awesome. Woo! To be honest with you, I lost one of those really bad because ah. this stupid guy next to me, of course, I call him stupid. He was the guy. The guy was very perfect. He was professional, really. And this guy <laughs> saw that he had more chips than I do. We call this like these bully, right? These these guys right. who have a lot of a lot of chips. They bully everybody else. They just raise it all the time. Right, right. So right. this guy kind of saw my chips. These uh, five or six left. It's like, huh? Let's just play with this guy. And this guy raised it until I could not raise with him. So I just had to go all in. Right. And I went all in. <laughs> And the cards were not good, buddy. So he got a flush, got everything, and it was a very, very tough moment. But fortunately, I won four rounds, and overall, oh, it was a plus. So oh, that's why I made more money than I lost. It was pretty good. That's great. So I'm, I'm really happy to see finally making some money. <laughs> well, we got to do something, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Sometimes you gotta, you know. Uh, anyhow, joke aside. Uh, so to, today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about. Uh, this wonderful book called The Subtle Arts of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark right. Manson. And there's so many things I like about this book, but one particular thing that actually I like a lot is the name itself, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I mean, wow, man. Can you imagine like a best selling title with the word fuck in it? Exactly. I mean, usually, I, mean, I have seen some books with the titles like assholes or idiots or punks even. <laughs> But this was like the best, like literally the word right. fuck literally in the middle of the title. Pretty, yeah. pretty amazing. And I really enjoyed it. But of course, uh, I also read this book in the other languages and the translations tend to be a lot more polite than the original version. So they used oh, a really? more polite version of the languages to resemble the word fuck in English. But I think the least polite version of all, of course, is the English version. The main version. Interesting. That's, that's, that's actually good to know. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and also on the cover, it's, uh, it says a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. Which it is counterintuitive. Nobody thinks like uh, if you're trying to live a good life, you got to say like, uh, uh, I'm not going to give a fuck about life or something. So, so yeah, it is a little bit counterintuitive. We're going to dive in. Uh, I'm going to go chronologically, sort of chapter by chapter, drop some wisdom, uh, sort of, of the book, not awesome. of myself. <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're going to elaborate on that. Okay, so Fantastic. the first chapter is called Don't Try. Which is again a little bit like counterintuitive. Well, what do you mean? Don't try. Are we not supposed to try? But but uh, so I'm gonna uh, quote two pieces of this chapter, and then we, right. we, I'm gonna ask you to elaborate on them. So one piece is, uh, is saying not giving a fuck does not mean being indifferent. It means being comfortable with being different. That's which right. is actually very interesting. I actually really like it. So because all of us are different in in a way or the other, and it's just a matter of being comfortable with it. Um, and the second part. Second quote is, uh, to not give a fuck about adversity, you must first give a fuck about something more important than adversity. Uh, exactly. Can you elaborate on these two? You see, pal, uh, when people think of the word uh, or the <coughs> phrase, uh, don't give a fuck about anything. I mean, I heard a lot of such things from losers, most of which were like drug addicts and uh, basically low lives. So ultimately, I really believe that when uh, people think of this, like, you see, man, there's a best-selling title that says you should not give a fuck. I was right. I'm a loser. I was right. But ultimately, <laughs> it's it all comes down to not giving a fuck about the things that are either not important or are beyond your sphere of control. And guess what? This is not something new in the world of self-help. We heard about this many years ago in the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, 
where he said, in life, we have two, uh, basically, circles. We have a circle of uh, concern and a circle of influence. Circle right. of concern are made of things that we are concerned about, such as the economy or our income or whatever it is. And the circle of influence are the things we can do, like, for example, cutting back on expenditures versus hoping the economy gets better. You can't make the economy get better. That's not part of your power in this case. So ultimately, this title really is all about understanding that when you want to care about things that you have nothing to do with, you have no right. control over, right. or are not important, you are living a very stupid lifestyle. And just don't be stupid. Don't give a damn about things that you cannot control whatsoever. That's right. the major theme for not caring, basically. And that is why, uh, basically, being indifferent uh, in, in this concept does not mean being careless or clumsy. It just means knowing what matters and what doesn't. Knowing what you have control over and what you don't. That's very true. Um, another thing that I really like about this book in general is just it it, it says fuck a lot, <laughs> and exactly the, the word is uh, the word is spilled all over the pages and every goddamn page. Then this guy, I, I have some theories. Maybe this guy apparently had something going on during that uh, writing process or something. Maybe he was being always distracted while writing the book. Like imagine like somebody says like so I'm writing. Oh fuck! Look at those. Oh shit! Oh, man. Like like I don't know exactly. But overall, it was, a, it was it's a great title, and I'm very glad I didn't read this. Actually, this is the only best-selling title I did not read at all in English. So I did not actually. I don't have any clue about how many word, how many, how many times the word "fuck" is used in that book. Oh, but wow, I'm, okay. I have some ideas of why this happened. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> That's true. Well, so so we don't try. Uh, the next chapter talks about happiness is a problem and again it's sort of counterintuitive because nobody thinks of happiness as a problem you're like okay that's the ultimate goal like you want to be happy in life right but that's that's beside the point it doesn't mean that that's a, that's not something you want and we talked about this in the book called obstacles the way is that exactly. you actually want problems and happiness is the ultimate problem which is amazing exactly so i'm going to again quote some stuff from this chapter as well uh, so it says uh, problems never fucking go away again the word fuck problems never That's fucking right. go away <laughs> so to all of our listeners if you don't like the word fuck just uh, find another podcast yeah, that yeah, is much this, more polite because this this, this episode podcast specifically... is filled with the word fuck all over specifically <laughs> there's fuck written all over it basically the, specifically this episode like it's going over the board okay so problems right. never fucking go away they just improve life is essentially an endless series of problems the solution to one problem is merely the creation of the next one. Again, we talked about this in uh, Art of Not... Uh, sorry, the subtle... No, the what? obstacle is the way. <laughs> the exactly. Uh, Our mind is now full of fuck, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got fuck the brain right now, literally. Yeah, it's just jumping. <laughs> Anyhow, the last, the last bit says, don't hope for a life without problems. Instead, hope for a life full of good problems. Good problems. Uh, that's the key word here, good. Uh, yeah, elaborate on this. Like I, I uh, we talked about it very, very uh, in in depth in that other book, um, the obstacles away. But still, we we want to talk about it. Happiness is a problem. You see, in this chapter, the author criticizes the self help industry that promotes a happy, happy, happy lifestyle and mindset. You see, right. take a look at the the books with the title "Happiness" in them. Unfortunately, the, the major problem with most of these books is that they believe that you should always be happy, happy, happy. That is cheerful, smiling, jumping up in the air, I don't know, blue sky. 
this is from my perspective, uh, what's wrong with the current self-help industry. Of course, it's just a business, so you cannot really blame them because when you uh, want to sell these things, I mean, somebody who is generally very happy will not go and buy a lot of books about happy, happy, happy books. Let's be honest. So right. he is already happy, so he reads other types of titles as well. So the kind of people who oftentimes go for these types of books that is all about happiness generally lack happiness or are very depressed. So for these people, of course, in that short period of recovery, they need to think happy, 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 life is beautiful, change your mindset, that kind of stuff. But sure, sure. generally in the long run, this is life. And life is meant to be lived with problems, challenges, difficulties, and losses. I mean, think back to my poker game, you see. Right. So uh, in that poker game, I won four times, lost once, of course, but that loss was uh, much uh, more than each one of those winnings. But in com when you put it all together, I actually managed to win more than I lost. But ultimately, right. that's part of life. In all games, there's winning and there's losing. In all parts of life, there are efforts that you make that do not result into, uh, for example, getting what you want, and you have to try again or learn from it and wait and be patient. So frustration is embedded in life. This is part of right. life. It's, that's what uh, strength is all about. Why we admire those who are strong? Because strength is a necessity to live well in this world. Strength means when things aren't going your, well, uh, aren't going your way and things aren't well, then you do not just uh, you know drop the towel and give up. You just keep pushing forward, right? Because you yeah. know that that's part of life. So in this book, it criticizes this approach of self-help to happy, happy thinking. I don't know, <laughs> these mantra things. And instead, focus your attention on living a realistic lifestyle and try to uh, enjoy these problems because that's just a part of life. Again, in the same fashion, right. similar to uh, the obstacles, the way. And more importantly, what I love the most about this chapter was a part where it says, a good life is not a life where you don't have problems. It is a life where you like the kind of problems you solve. This means that ultimately, success in life isn't just about the results. It is also about the battles. And right. the happiest people, the truly happy people, not the ones who, oh, these mantra guys, <laughs> some of the truly happy and fulfilled individuals who actually achieve success in life are the ones who generally have found the right battles in life. Right. Not, I mean, it's not just about the victory. I mean, it's not just about the victory. It's about loving the battle. What kind of fight? Because life is a, you know, it's filled with problems. It's full of problems. So what kind of suffering, what kind of battles, what kinds of difficulties do we have to go through to get there? I mean, let's right. be honest. For us, for example, well, let's, uh, let's be honest. When we, uh, we have to arrange and have our podcast. We're going to have two shows a week. This takes a lot of effort on both our sides. And we are, both of, we, both of us, we're extremely busy. Right. So we have to make sacrifices to make these podcasts happen. But guess what? We enjoy it. So we enjoy this uh, battle, this challenge and difficulty. And this is just one example out of many other examples that we actually ourselves are involved with on a daily basis. So you want to enjoy the battles. That's why uh, I recommend people to not think about what they want. For example, someone comes to me and says, Daniel, I want to be rich. I say, right. okay, thank you very much. So uh, that's, not the, that's not the goal. That's, the, that's, that's, the, that's just the byproduct of living a good life. What kind of life do you want to have? What kind of legacy do you want to live that you want to leave behind? What kind of uh, basically challenges do you want to overcome to get to that money? And it's like, well, I don't know. I never thought about it. I just want to be rich. So that's the <laughs> biggest problem. And I think the key to that is to understand that whatever you do, you can always be the best at it and make a lot of money in it. But more importantly, 
you want to focus on figuring out what kind of battles you like to have in your life. Amazing. You actually went a little bit ahead of this chapter too. Like you talked about a lot. Of, I mean, it's it's all connected. So I don't blame you necessarily. That's right. I <laughs> but, love that book, man. Yeah. Fuck this. I love that book. That was a fucking <laughs> awesome book. Yeah, it is. It's it's very good. So the next chapter talks about, uh, and I have a lot to say about this. You are not special, and it's very true. It doesn't mean it, it, what I'm. What I, I I get out of this is that nobody is special. Like we are, we are all unique, but then there's, there's exactly. nobody is special. It's like not you. You're not like I don't know the the son of God or something. Unless you're Jesus, that's a different story. That's but, right. That's right. <laughs> which it's which you're not on our, one of our episodes by the future. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> the big world. Uh, but that's the true. point is, like, of course you're not. So so the point is, um, you know, it's so so nobody's special. This is not about. You being different, you being looked upon, you have extra talent. No, we are, I mean, that's fair. We're not necessarily all on the same playing field. Maybe it's not level on some uh, some aspect. But that's, again, another problem that you deal with and you deal with it. So I don't like this this idea that uh, a lot of kids are raised with or uh, I, like a, not, I don't know about this, if it's majority or not, but definitely a lot because I've seen them a lot, is that they are told by their parents how precious they are, how amazing they are. And that's just a a, a misguided opinion. And it just uh, tolls on the on the kid eventually when he grows up and goes to the real world. So so that notion, I think, is very flawed in my opinion. And I really love this chapter for that very reason. What are your takes on it? Well, first of all, about what you mentioned regarding parenting, I think the majority of the reasons behind the fact that some people think of themselves to be special is actually because they did not receive enough genuine love and care when they were with their parents. So personally, I am not against uh, showing uh, that you care when it comes to your children. I'm not against uh, saying that they are precious to you, but more importantly, oh, yeah. that makes sense. It's though. important. That's right, because oftentimes many of these uh, individuals who think of themselves to be special, they did not receive enough love and care as children. So I'm right. not against that. However, there is a fine line between loving your children versus spoiling your children. Exactly. That's my point. I think the best is done when in a household there is two types of love. Again, we can talk about parenting later on. I think sure. you and I both know a lot about parenting, by the way, at a very young age. <laughs> but the thing is this. Uh, the ideal form of parenting is when uh, one side offers conditional love, ideally the father, and one side offers unconditional love. And this creates a balance. Right. However, unfortunately, in the modern world, a, a lot of the parents both offer unconditional love. That is, they say, I will love my child no matter what. And this makes them spoil, obviously. They think like, oh, they're super, super fucking special and they're, you know, God's gift to humanity. So ultimately, a child has to be loved unconditionally by one parent and uh, conditionally. That is, uh, the father says, listen, you made you made a mess with your studies. I'm disappointed in you. Okay, right. like he needs to understand that because in the real world, we will have setbacks and obstacles. And if we are not prepared for it as children, then as adults, we'll, of course, have a lot of problems. Right. So ultimately, that's for the case of loving your parents. Secondly, about being special, uh, what you yourself mentioned pretty well, is that being special is very different than being unique. Being special generally comes with a sense of entitlement. And uh, more importantly, uh, the, the problem with feeling that you're special is this. People who feel they're special 
they feel bad about facing with challenges and obstacles. They say, guess what? I'm special. I should not face with challenges. I should not lose money. I should not lose my partner. I should not lose this and that. I should not. So they live with this lifestyle uh, and this belief system that they they are so special. So they should never undergo the same challenges that everybody else undergoes. And that's the problem. So you want to think of yourself as unique. And more importantly, you want to love yourself. You want to respect yourself. I am not against love and respecting for yourself. I'm not against loving your children. I'm talking about the right way. You can love and respect yourself and still acknowledge the fact that you are just a guy. And uh, sorry to say this very directly, but uh, your poop smells as terrible as everybody else's poop, right? So we are all humans. And because of this, you have to understand that you want to create a lifestyle that you are growing, expanding yourself in order to like yourself even more. And you yourself want to have that uh, sense of conditional, unconditional love towards yourself. That is, you want to love yourself as a being, but at the same time, you want to push yourself. I, I want to get this goal. I got to, I got to challenge myself. I got to go for it. And this allows you to understand uh, that you have unique talents, that your DNAs will never be matched by any other human being ever alive in the history or in the future, and that you have a calling in this life. You got to go for it. But ultimately, you're just like everybody else. You're going to have to go through the same challenges that everybody else does. Someday you will die like everybody else. So ultimately, knowing that you're not special but unique can be a tremendous uh, help in terms of uh, appreciating the challenges of life and accepting failure as a necessity on the way to greatness. Very true. And I um, and again, I want to clarify, I didn't mean like you shouldn't love your children. <laughs> that was a different story. The point That's was right. not spoiling, <clears throat> exactly. spoiling them exactly. over the board, right? There's a fine line, by the way. Like, unfortunately, I see a lot of parents these days. Sometimes they come to my right. workshops and seminars, and they have this child that you literally, you literally, I mean, like, I, I, I love children, but there are some times where I just want to fucking puke on their faces. And at that time. <laughs> or they want to puke on like, you. and that, that, oh. uh, Like, literally. <laughs> and, and I say, dude, I mean, you had this piece of a shit as a son. He's right. 11. He acts like a fucking six-year-old. And unfortunately, the problem usually is because they spoil the child by right. both offering unconditional love. Right. Um, yes, that's that's true. And uh, you wanna you wanna it's raising a child is really difficult. I I, I understand that. But then, um, well, that's uh, what you get when you decide you have to you know uh, prepare a lot, read a lot, uh, educate yourself on the ins and outs of parenting. I'm I'm not an expert, of course, because well, I'm I'm not having You're an child. expert in creating children, <laughs> not in, in raising them up. <laughs> does it take an expert to create a children? <laughs> oh, trust me, it does well, require I, a certain I, level of expertise. On, on, the, on the male's part. Like it doesn't take anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Very well. <laughs> you just have to have some natural things. Uh, anyhow, yeah, getting That's past right. the moment. <laughs> so the next <laughs> Oh my god. So the next chapter is talking about the value of suffering. And uh, it's a very good thing. Like uh, suffering is underrated, I think. Um, suffering is a good thing. And uh, I'm going to read some <clears throat> some uh, lines of this chapter. It's not necessarily related to the main subject. Like it may seem unrelated, but we'll tie it up. One second. Bear with us. So uh, so it talks about defining good and bad. Excuse me. <clears throat> I lose my voice. Uh, so it talks about defining good and bad values. And so the good values are... Uh, reality-based, socially constructive, immediate, and controllable. Bad values are uh, superstitious, socially destructive, not immediate or controllable. Uh, controllable. And, uh, and and some examples of uh, good and healthy values are honesty, innovation, vulnerability, standing up for oneself, 
standing up for others, self-respect, curiosity, charity, humility, and creativity. And some uh, examples of bad unhealthy values are dominance through manipulation or violence and discriminate, uh, well, wait, what? And discriminate fucking, feeling good all the time, always being the center of attention, not being alone, being liked by everybody, being rich for the sake of being rich, as you talked, uh, sacrificing small animals to the pagan gods. So uh, the book talks about these as bad and unhealthy values. And uh, if essentially what we believe, whether suffering is good or bad, or defined by our values, what we define suffering to be. Do we exactly. hold it on high, high pedestal or low? So I personally really uh, like the idea of suffering. Well, I don't want to suffer, of course, but that's beside the point. I'm saying like when you suffer, think of it as an as an improvement on yourself. Um, Just to you know, point it out for our listeners, uh, Pujas is not a masochist, so he does not like go <laughs> home and like. <laughs> I, I yeah. love and, like he doesn't like whip himself or something at night. It's just all normal. Besides masochists, nobody likes suffering, and I'm like you, and I'm with you. I don't like it either, but That's it's right. valuable. Uh, it doesn't mean it's it's not valuable. If it if I don't like it, some random Joe might not 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 like a hundred dollar bill for some random reason, but it doesn't mean it's not valuable. It is valuable. That's right. So, exactly. and, and I like this part specifically. I did, I pointed this out in the good values and bad values. There are good values and bad values because, well, that comes out of a value too, I suppose. But then in a society, first of all, we don't want to be destructive, uh, uh, destroying our society we want to be constructive to our society so values which do contribute to our society as a whole uh in, in, down the road are defined as good good values because we have innate like a very basic value that is our society uh but in general can you uh, elaborate on the suffering part you see uh first of all i'm a huge fan of fitness uh, and bodybuilding, especially healthy bodybuilding, because I really believe that. Uh, I mean, yesterday I was talking to one of uh, my friend, uh, my business partner, and uh, he uses all sorts of supplements and I don't know material that he uses to get into shape. Right. And I told him that, dude, this is just a business. Put them aside and do it naturally. So by bodybuilding and fitness, I mean natural. I mean no supplements, no nothing, just perhaps multivitamin minerals and healthy food, because right. it tells us something very nice. Because when you're at the gym, you're putting pressure on those muscles. You're, in a sense, suffering because it is painful to do that. Let's be honest. Course, no, but yeah. in the process of dealing with that pain, you actually become stronger. And once you do fitness on a regular basis, then you're literally conditioning your body and your mind to take pleasure in undergoing temporary pain and suffering in order to achieve long-term strength and success. So that is why I believe that suffering is embedded in life. now. There is a Buddhistic belief that says suffering is a part of life and we all must suffer. There's a huge difference between going through suffering versus accepting suffering. Right. Because it's about your values. If you think of something to be a source of suffering, it will be. Right. It's not, uh, of course, then it won't. So it's ultimately about your value system. And as uh, the author mentioned, you want to have the kind of values that allows you to go through the pains in life without experiencing psychological pain. You could experience perhaps physical pain. You could perhaps undergo a lot of stress and anxiety, 
But ultimately, you want to believe that all of this makes sense. All of this is in order for me to realize my goals and to uh, realize my values. And that is why I think uh, it's very important to design your lifestyle. Unfortunately, most of us in life, we do not design our lifestyles. We ask most what are you doing these? It's like, well, I want to. Yeah, I want to go to school. Why? Oh, because I want to get a job. Why? Because because I want to make a family. Why? They don't know. They don't know the why. Right, okay. Right. And as uh, Nietzsche once said, famous German philosopher, uh, basically the one who knows the why can bears any uh, basically uh, house. So mm-hmm. these guys can tolerate the pain that they are going uh, through because they know why they're doing it. They understand where is the final destination, and this gives them hope. I mean, think right. about a lot of, uh, maybe you've heard about this, the concentration camp stories uh, during oh, World yeah. War II, where a lot of these uh, gentlemen or ladies were kept in isolation, literally minutes or even seconds away from uh, gruesome death. But the ones who made it out of those uh, concentration camps alive were the ones who did have a strong purpose, who right. did know what they wanted, who did know what uh, was it they're, they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately about your value system so we have the right values you can overcome any obstacle or challenge no matter how painful or how much suffering it actually causes you and uh one of the peoples who didn't actually make out but became famous uh is one of my personal heroes is uh anne frank which we all uh, know about well hopefully do uh she she had a diary she was a very young uh, teenager during those That's eras right. and then she had she wrote a diary and then diary uh, became available and published eventually down the road, and it would give it. A, I heard a lot of people yeah. cried and read that at the same time. It's amazing. It's it's uh, right. it's literally the essence of these two books that we talked about. Uh, we were talking about exactly. this and uh, obstacles away. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's very amazing how uh, and for the people who are so I I've, the, I I do have to I, I do have generally the idea of being an optimist and I talk about it a lot and a lot of people are like if you suffered enough in life you become a pessimist i was like Anne frank has suffered probably more than any of us and i think Thanks. is the utmost uh, utmost uh, optimist i've ever known wow. uh, so yeah it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's uh, it's uncanny it's a very good book I and mean, if you didn't uh, read the diary go go read it it's pretty good <clears throat> anyhow moving on today because we're we're going slow and so many content here uh moving on to the next chapter talks about you're always choosing, and that's very true. And again, I really believe, like a lot of people, don't choose just for the sake of not choosing. That's a choice. You're choosing not to choose. So, so there's nothing. There's there's no such a thing as not choosing. You, there's you're always choosing, and there's always always a choice, and you're always exactly. choosing it. So, uh, can you briefly elaborate on that? I say briefly because we're running out of time. For sure. Ultimately, <laughs> life as you mentioned, is a series of decisions that we have to make. The quality of your life is not the quality of the environment you find yourself in. It is not the quality of the genetic makeup you were given at birth or the right. family you brought up in or any of that stuff. It's not, it's not a product of your weather or conditions. It's about the decisions you make. And right. ultimately, if you want to make a good life, you have to understand that you need to make good decisions. And that requires you to first understand that you do have a choice. Why is it important? If, if you don't believe you have a choice, then I'm sorry. Then you will not make the decisions and you'll let the society make them for you. They create their own plans. Okay, until now, right. until 18, this one. Then you're going to go to this one. Then you're going to get a job, get a family. So they will give you their plans. They say those who don't have goals will have to work for those who do. 
And ultimately, because of this, once you believe you have a choice, then you will start making decisions. And then you can actually shift your entire uh, destiny by knowing where you're actually headed. Very good. Very good. That's very true. It's always a choice. There's always a choice. And chapter six talks about you're wrong about everything. And it's very interesting you're, uh, because it uh, in parentheses after that says, but so am I. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to quote again. That's just to protect his like, you fuck you, man. What the hell? You're wrong. What? You're wrong about everything, too. Right. So <laughs> it's a good uh, disarming. Right. Like exactly. It. So it's, there's no exactly. You don't have that. It's, if you if you'd go and say like okay so you're wrong too is like I just said it yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna quote a, from the book there's a lot of uh, conventional wisdom out there telling you to trust yourself to go with your gut and all sorts of other pleasant sounding cliches but perhaps the answer is to trust yourself less if we uh, if we're all wrong all the time then it's uh, wait then isn't self skepticism and the rigorous challenging of our own beliefs and assumptions the only logical route to progress and i very much agree with that because uh, I, I i agree specifically with the part of self-skepticism uh, and rigorous challenging you have an idea you gotta keep coming back to it and see if it applies to to the current situation it might have worked perfectly a day or two ago it might not work now because variables change so i, I really like that notion do you have anything to add to that you know, personally, I'm a huge fan uh, because in NLP, we say that your level of certainty will then be backed up by action. So I am not saying you have to live your entire life in a state of uncertainty because that's not productive at all because it fails to produce the right state of mind that will lead to taking a lot of action. However, that being said, I believe that what this chapter for me meant was something very simple, that you are always right, wrong is very different than you could be wrong. True. So I believe that this chapter remind me of the importance of constant and never ending practice, as well as being a lifetime student. You know, people oftentimes uh, tell like, oh, dude, I don't need to read any books. I just I got a PhD. The fact of the matter is that you can never, ever stop learning. And this chapter is a huge reminder that no matter how certain you are about your feelings and how much uh, you believe in your convictions in life and business and whatever, you could be wrong, and that is precisely why you need to constantly improve your level of knowledge and study and uh, somehow become somehow uh, more intelligent and more informed. And right. that is what this chapter really means for me. It means that you have to focus your attention on always learning new things because you could always be wrong. So uh, becoming a lifetime student will allow you to constantly expand your knowledge. And I'd like to quote something from the book which actually quoted from Aristotle. And that is, uh, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it, That's which is right. wonderful because we think about thoughts, but we usually tend to accept them first and then think about them. <laughs> so it's actually very interesting to think about a thought and then not accepting them. Um, very true. And moving on to the next chapter talks about failure is the way forward i think we don't have to really elaborate on this chapter because we did it's quite obvious yeah the obstacle is the way we talked about it the whole episode so i'm just going to blow past it and we talked about the obstacles the way if you haven't listened to that episode a little bit it's self-explanatory don't think obstacles are bad they're good go listen to that chapter uh, episode next chapter talks about the importance of saying no holy moly i love this chapter already uh, I lost my quote. Give me one second. Okay, here. Uh, action isn't just the effect of motivation. It's also the cause of it. 
Hold on a second, buddy. Did you say holy moly? Yes. That's you stole my line, buddy. Oh, you did. <laughs> you know what? What that? Because people used to t t tell me holy moly in high school because my last name is Mulgan. Ah. And they would say holy moly. You got to be kidding me, man. You you stole my line. That's it. It's over, man. It's over, man. Friendship away. That's too much. <laughs> but look aside, man. I'm really impressed. Wow. I think I told you. Wow, buddy. We've been together for so many years. Even we've learned our own phrases now. Pretty awesome. Love it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I might have actually adopted it from you. I don't know. About, exactly. Because I use it myself all the time. Because yeah, moly, because I'm Mulgan. Right, right, and right. I, I don't like to say holy shit or holy cow or whatever. Right, right. right. I'm like, holy moly. People just uh, followed me. It was pretty good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably picked it up after you, actually. Yeah. That's right. Don't remember consciously, but anyhow. That's right. Very good. Love it, man. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm going to also let's give, a, let's give a virtual high five. The highest of fives through uh, our Skype. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Very I'm well. going to also add another quote from this chapter. It says, people with strong boundaries are not afraid of a temper tantrum, an argument, or getting hurt. And it's about giving a fuck about your part uh, partner, regardless of the fucks he or she gives. That's unconditional love, baby. So it's about giving exactly. a fuck about their fucks too it's not just about that's your fucks cool. you gotta give a fuck about everybody's fuck and not give a fuck at the same time <laughs> well we literally used the word fuck 12, uh, 12 times in, in the past uh, 10 seconds that was awesome <laughs> it's amazing i love it so importance of saying no people have a lot of trouble with saying no and uh i do too i think uh, I'm, I'm practicing a lot of course but uh, i think that's an issue overall what do you have to say about that you see I really believe that if you are not capable of disagreeing and saying no, especially to those people who are the most important to you, because right. let's be honest, if a, if a bum comes on the street, if, a, if let's say a loser, like, hey, man, you got some change, you can say, no, no, I'm busy later. We don't have trouble saying no to, pe to the people that are not important to us. The biggest problem and challenge is disagreeing and saying no to the most important people in our lives. Because that's, from my perspective, a recipe for long-term, mutually satisfying relationships. Mm -hmm. The inability to say no, the inability to disagree with someone in the short term saves a relationship. But in the long term, eventually ends in quarrels, fights, and separations. Which is why I, I have this rule that if I disagree, I say it right away, immediately. I do not wait for a few days. I don't pretend it's okay. I say it right away because I know that even though that hurts the other person at the beginning, this actually allows us to have a much longer, much more prosperous relationship down the line. However, those who cannot disagree, those who cannot say no, they end up playing what we call passive-aggressive eventually. And this can destroy the relationship in the long run. And because of this, if you want, if you really care about maintaining successful flourishing long-term, we're talking about years and decades, if, if not lifetime relationships, then you need to show your disagreements openly and immediately. So that will allow your partner to understand what you are, what you want, what you can do and what you will not do. And these are very, very important. Very true. And from that on, we move to the very last chapter. It's entitled, and then you die. Woo. Something beyond ourselves, the sunny side of death. Um, it's very true. You mentioned the rich people who don't, he, who just has the uh, superficial idea of being rich and adding no values. 
I personally believe uh, there should be something beyond me because otherwise mm-hmm. it's all selfish and it's pointless. And the thing that is beyond uh, me for me is to add value to the society. I think that's the minimal thing it can exist. Uh, make exactly. the place a better place that uh, when you leave it, where then you stepped into it. And I don't really care about afterlife. It, there are many, many different versions and uh, whether it exists or not. <clears throat> that's not the argument here. It should be regardless of that. It should be regardless of that. You have to be able to add value while you're here to this world. And that's that for me is something beyond myself. And the sunny side of death, for me, death is not an issue as long as I, I achieved that set goal a minute ago, a second ago, meaning adding value to my uh, to my society, to my to my to this world, essentially. So. So, yeah, eventually we die. Uh, that's a reality. What do you say? You see, this chapter is what I think not only completes and concludes the book, but is also a direct, uh, uh, it has direct relevance to the chapter, You're Not Special. Because right. understanding the fact that we are going to die someday is the most humbling facts of all. Very and true. that's what I think gives us a good perspective about a lot of things. And uh, in, in the ancient times, people used to uh, use the word memento mori, which in memento Latin mori, means, very true. exactly, remember that you are mortal. Yes. That you will die someday, and this—they uh, even had this like on their coins. They would move around to look at this to remember, and remembering the fact that we are going to die someday, it's a great perspective to not only reduce the amount of pain that we experience as opposed to go through. Right. I mean, we can go through a lot of painful situations, but not feel that much pain. Right. That's the perspective, right? And secondly, it allows you to understand that you have only so much time to live. That True. you are here on a mission you're here to do something wonderful with your life and that your time will eventually come to an end knowing that this gives life a tremendous amount of meaning and a great sense of urgency which is why i believe that we should all live with a sense of urgency now living with urgency does not mean that you have to be stressed all the time it simply means understand how precious precious life is and how importantly uh, you you can actually add value to this life to other people and leave this world a better place once you're gone. And this perspective, I think, is one of the things that truly uh, uh, culminates into having that, uh, you know, zen, peaceful mindset about life. To Very know that, true. Dude, all these problems, yes, I know it's temporary. I will die someday, but I am ready to make the most of it while I can and get the best and, more importantly, help others along the way as well. Very true. I agree with that. Eventually we die. I love how it was titled, And Then You Die. And then you die. Okay. Um, I'm so. very glad he didn't say, and then you fucking die, you fucking get <laughs> Something like it was, it, I think he was very close to say that, but he didn't. Uh, Anyhow. So with Maybe that, even he wrote it, but like the publishers changed it or something. You never know. You never know. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a very joyful episode. Of the Let's Talk versions, I think this is my favorite so far. Um, anyhow. Uh, so eventually we come to an end, of course, of this book and the, the review of this book. We talked about it a lot. And for the very last piece, I want to leave you with the very last paragraph of this book. It might not make a lot of sense not reading the prior uh, uh, couple of uh, ch- sentences, but um, I'm going to say it anyways because it's beautiful and it's a very good ending. Uh, so here we go. His, ex- uh, his skepticism breaks and reveals a smile in its place. He gives a slight nod and heads down the trail. I stand above, taking in the view, waiting for my friends to arrive on the peak. That's the end of the book, literally. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. 
I'm really glad to have you here, Dan, every every week to talk about these uh, various topics. It is my pleasure, buddy. I'm very glad that I'm here with you. And I'm also very glad that last night I won four rounds. Otherwise, I would have come broke. <laughs> <laughs> you would have a lot of energy. Oh, I mean, I'm sure you would. I know you. You There's no nothing breaking you down. Um, thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, thank you guys for joining us again uh, on this uh, very lovely episode. It was really fun uh, having you guys around. Come tune in again next week. Until then, I'm Puya LJ, a.k.a. Pujits. Take care of yourself.